worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of peace. And Father, we love you. We thank you that your presence is in this house today. God, we thank you that you're omnipotent, you're omnipresent, and we love you. And we are so grateful to be here today worshiping you, the Father who sets on the throne and the earth is your footstool, and you reign in victory. Mm -hmm. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, Come on, has he been good to you? I love your voice. Come on, y'all, sing it out. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Say all my life, all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so. of the goodness of God. Oh, all my life you have been faithful. All of my life, all my life you have been so, so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will see of the goodness 
this is running after it's running come on it's running after me and you your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you goodness 
no matter what the situation looks like, even if I'm taking my last breath, that breath was given by the breath giver, the one that breathed into our nostrils, the king of the universe. Man, I'm so grateful and thankful that the king is on our side today. And we get to stand in his presence. There's something about being in the presence of the king. And not just any king, the Lord of Lords, the God that reigns in victory. No matter what this earth says, God is God. Man, and we're just gonna sing that chorus one more time. All my life, I've been faithful. All my life, you've been faithful, God. You've been so, so good. Sing it with me, y'all. Say, all my life you have been faithful. Mm, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. of the goodness of God. Say all of my life, church. All my life you have been Come on, you're singing this to him. And we thank you that your goodness is continuing to be in pursuit after us. Neither height nor depth can separate us from your love, Jesus. And we are so grateful that your goodness and mercy follows us. And that's why we stand here and lift up our hands and lift up our voice and just sing to you because you are worthy of our praise. And we are so grateful just to be in the house of the Lord with the body of believers and in your presence. And God, we love you and we praise your name today. And all God's people said, amen. Good evening, Converge. Hey, isn't that great news? You can go ahead and have a seat. Isn't it awesome that he's so, so good to us? No matter what we do, no matter what our lives look like, we don't have to do anything. And he just keeps being good and good and good. So thank you, worship team, for taking us there. Um, welcome, everyone. It's so good to see you, Converge family. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. If you're streaming online with us on Sunday, welcome to our uh, Converge 
fam, virtual family as well. If it's your first time with us, thank you for joining us. We wanna make sure that you stop by the Welcome Center outside after service. We have a little gift there. It's our way of saying thank you for joining us. We also have connection cards. We would love to get some of your information. We are not gonna track you down and bug you, but we will keep you posted on what's going on here at Converge. So make sure to stop over there. For those that are already members, our connection cards also have a spot for prayer requests. So please um, let us know what's going on in your lives that we can pray with you and for you for. Um, also, on social media, don't know if you've seen us yet, but we're out there. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Make sure to follow us um, at We Are Converge. Follow us, sign up for your notifications. Make sure you um, check out what's going on here at Converge on our posts. Uh, we also love when you engage and uh, comment back and, and give us some love out there too. If you haven't yet, we'd also love for you to take a look at us on um, Google. Go find Converge Church write up a little review, give us some stars, you know, make sure that other people know about us. A lot of the members that have found us, um, some look for us online, right? They're looking for a church in the area, maybe they moved, um, so it helps Converge show up for them because of course we'd love to welcome them into our family as well. So last but not least, Converge merch. I know a lot of you have seen the new cool swag we have going around. There's some um, hoodies with uh, tie-dye and all kinds of cool new fall merch. So check out our store at store.weareconverge.com and make your purchases there. Thank you, Cassie. We also have a couple of save the dates for you guys. We want you to join us next Saturday, November 27th, yes, at 5 p.m. for our night of worship, our post-Thanksgiving night of worship. We are going to have worship, exhortation, prayer, and we want you and your family and your friends to join us here because it is going to be something special. And then on Saturday, December 18th at 5 p.m., we will have our Christmas at Converge worship service. Yes, yes. That too is going to be something special. We are going to have an amazing word from our amazing pastor. We are going to have a few surprises, maybe an ugly sweater competition. So dust off the, the sweater that you got last year and join us again Saturday, December 18th at 5 p.m. Okay? Amen. We'll do it. Thank you. Thank you. So this part of the worship service is what we lovingly call here at Converge the Blessed Life segment. And this, thank you guys, this is our opportunity to partner with God to help move forward the mission and the vision that he's given us in our giving. So if you'd like to partner with us financially, we do have multiple ways that you can do that. First, here in person, there are ushers in the aisles with envelopes if you need one. Just raise your hand. We ask that you fill out the envelope details completely. This helps us properly account for your giving. You can also give safely and securely online by visiting us at www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. You can give via our mobile app, which you can find on the iOS or the Android app stores by searching for Converge Church Plano and just download that. And then you can give via text by texting Converge Give along with the dollar amount to 77977. Converge family, Converge nation, we appreciate everything that you do, your generosity and your partnership so that we can continue doing what God has called us to do here at Converge. Let's just have a quick word of prayer. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you just a small portion of what you have entrusted to us. We thank you, Father, that you are our source. We thank you that you help make provision for us, Father. We acknowledge that everything that we have comes from you, and we give back a small portion of it to help build your kingdom, God. We thank you for every hand and every heart that has desired to give or that has given. We don't take it lightly, Father God, and we are good stewards and will continue to steward well every gift that you give us. We love you. We appreciate you. We glorify you and honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for your attention. Enjoy the rest of the worship service. for my good. It was meant to kill me, sent to destroy me, and I thought that it would, and I thought that it should, cause I messed up so many times, I went left when you said right, I understand if you wanna let me go, but you held on.
for evil. God has worked it out for your good and my good. Say that again. I said, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it out for my good. One more time, I said, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it out for my good. Oh, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it out for my good. Mm. I said, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it out. Come on, one more time, church. You say, What the God has worked it out for my good. Come on, y'all give Jesus a hand clap of praise today. Come on, he's worked it out. Come on, come on, let's lift that up to Jesus. What the enemy meant for evil. Our God has already worked it out for your good, for my good, for our good, and for his glory. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Aren't you grateful that we serve a Romans 8.28 God? Where the scripture declares that all things all things all things you know there was a moment or a season in my life where um, I needed some answers you can go ahead and bring that out uh, Coquetso thank you sir uh, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a season in your life where you've had big questions where God seemed distant where God seemed silent and in this season of questioning and asking these, uh, I guess, questions of God, as I was navigating my own personal crisis of faith, how many realize you can preach a message about the power of God and walk off stage and wonder if it's even real for you? Uh, so as I'm navigating this season, you could even call it a faith crisis, I landed on Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Again, familiar passage of scripture. And as I read verse 28, I felt impressed, like the Lord was saying, Ray, read it again. So I read it again. And you know, pastors, we already, we've committed the word to our hearts, and so we've memorized the scripture, and we can recite it forward and backward. And it's like, okay, Romans 8, 28. You know how we are with John 3, 16? And so I read it again. And I was about to move on to the next thing, and I felt like the Lord impressed upon me again. Read it again. And I read it again. And the Lord said, Read, what are the three most important words in that verse to you? I said, Well, I don't know, Lord. There's a lot of words in here, but I said, I would pick more than three. And I was like, listen, the fact that you're working this thing out for my good, that's where I can get my comfort and my peace and my consolation. And the Lord said, read it again. And I read it again. 
And finally, it dawned on me that when I would quote that verse, what I would often do was omit the first three words in the verse. I would always start almost mid-sentence and say, man, you know, God's working all things together for my good. And in that moment, the Lord showed me what I believe are the three most important words in that verse. And Paul starts that verse with these words. And we know. Listen. And we know. May I submit to you, Converge Church, that every trial and every test that you will ever face or ever encounter will come to cause you to question what you thought you knew about God. It will come and it will cause you to question what you thought you knew about yourself. And so as Paul writes, he writes this affirmation. He says, and we know, we are settled in this truth that no matter what happens in my life, God is going to work it all out. He's going to work it all together for my good and for his glory. The trials in our lives will come to test what you thought you knew. It will also come to cause us to question what we thought we heard God say. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? The very first temptation, when we see Satan step into the story of God, and he has this question, this banter with Eve, and he says, did God really say that? Are you sure about that? Trials will come to test what we claim we knew about God and his faithfulness. They will come to test what we thought we heard God say. Here it is. Here's the third thing that every test, every trial you'll ever encounter will cause you to do. It will cause you to question whether or not God cares. Isn't that what the disciples said to him when the boat was filling with water and Jesus was asleep while they were drowning? And the, the disciples come to Jesus, they wake him up, and they say, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And if we're honest with ourselves and I converge, there have been situations and circumstances. There have been moments when your boat was filling with water, where it seems, seemed like you were about to drown. It seemed like you were about to go under. And what you questioned was whether or not God cared. You have found yourself in seasons and places where you say, ah, did I really hear from God? Because if I really heard from God, would I be going through this right here? May I submit to you to that converge? That it could be. The very reason you're going what you're going through is because you did hear from God. Because obedience to God always attracts opposition. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that there are many doors of opportunity open unto me, but there are many adversaries. Open doors and adversaries in the same sentence? Yeah. And so tonight, what Chad and the worship team led us in was so much more than just a worship song. It was a declaration. And it was God reminding us to ask ourselves, what do you really know? What have you really settled about me? 
What have you really settled about me? Even the song they sang before that. All my life you've been faithful. Settle that. All my life you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I'm able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God because I know. That's what I know. Nobody can take that from me. That's where God wants his people to live right now. So, Father, I pray for your people. Ah, Lord, right now in this moment, everyone going through their own private struggle, their private challenge, voices that sometimes cause us to question whether or not you care, voices and circumstances that cause us to ask, did God really say that? Situations and circumstances that cause us to wonder what we really know about ourselves. Hey! What we know about people. My goodness. And what we know about our God. Father, tonight, settle that in our hearts once and for all. That what the enemy meant for evil. God, you're working it out for my good. And even when we can't see it, even when we can't see it, even when we can't sense it, God, you're working. You're restoring. You're healing. You are repairing. You are reconciling. Ah, thank you, Lord. The Lord's doing it. He is doing it. He is doing it. Father, our part is simply to believe and your part is to do the impossible. So while we wait, God, we will worship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Come on, let's lift that up to the Lord one more time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Chad and Converge Worship, outstanding job. Thank you for ushering us into the presence of the Lord tonight. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Amen? And I believe that there is some freedom in the house to minister His Word. Amen? I pray that your hearts would be open and receptive to what we'll share tonight uh, as we look to God's Word together. Before I do that, before I do that, let me just reiterate, let me just reiterate what uh, Cassie and Andrea shared uh, during our live news. Man, make every effort as much as it is within your power uh, prioritize being with us a week from today for our night of worship. We're trusting God to move in a very profound way. It's the first time we've ever done this. And we thought it would be very fitting, very appropriate, coming off of Thanksgiving, to gather corporately to give thanks. The scripture says this, uh, in all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ. You want to know what the will of God is? Give thanks. Give thanks for what he has done. Give thanks for what he is doing. Give thanks for the promise of what he will do. The problem is we get sometimes so fixated on what we desire for God to do next 
that we don't, we can't even find the strength to thank him for what we have now. And that's part of the struggle. The struggle is learning to be grateful in the middle. Halfway between where you were and where you're headed, but you're in the middle. It can be an awkward place and an uncertain place and a precarious place. But in that place, God says, give thanks for what I have done and for what I am doing right now. So our night of worship is going to be a time when we gather and worship. But how many of you realize that worship goes beyond the music? So it's not going to only be a time when we gather and have extended music, but it's also going to be a time of prayer. It's going to be a time of exhortation, and we're trusting God to do something powerful and profound. If you have family visiting from out of town, I encourage you, bring them with you. We're trusting God for breakthroughs, for answers to prayer, for miracles uh, uh, for, uh, during our night of worship. Amen? So we encourage you to do that. Also, also, uh, Pastor Wendy uh, sends her love all the way from New York, y'all. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She is uh, doing, uh, uh, well, they just completed a campus visit uh, with Nia, uh, our senior. And, uh, but also, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. Tomorrow uh, is Pastor Wendy's birthday, right? So, so it's also a girl's trip. So this is what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to, I mean, just her timeline, flood her timeline with love, and happy birthday greetings and happy birthday blessings. And uh, she would really, really appreciate it. And while we're on the topic, come on, y'all help me say a big happy birthday to Pastor Wendy on three. Here we go. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Pastor Wendy. Yeah. All righty. That was good. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, let's dive into the Word together. Uh, we're in our series, Supreme 2.0. And I just, uh, as I was preparing in prayer, I just felt the Lord bringing me back to Paul. And I think tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like when your life and my life goes viral, uh, the viral life. But even more specifically, even more specifically, uh, God wants us to live a YOLO life a life without regrets because we recognize that we only have one life to live. You and I only have one life to live. So God wants you and he wants me to make our life, our one solitary life count for something. Beyond just living for ourselves. And so as we start to talk about what it looks like when, when Jesus is supreme, not just in the universe, but in the life of the believer, the first recognition you come to is my life is not my own. And if my life is not my own and I was bought at a price, I ought to glorify God with my life, with my time, with my talent, with my treasure. In fact, as I begin the message, I'm going to borrow from the timeless words of William Shakespeare from his play, As You Like It. And Shakespeare writes, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women 
are merely players, actors. Here it is. They have their exits <laughs> and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. We all, listen to me, have our exits and our entrances. My entrance to the stage of life was on March 3rd of 1972. And if Jesus tarries and I live a good, long, fruitful life, at some point there's going to be an exit. And when you go, when you go to a cemetery, you'll, you'll see a date that commemorates the person's entrance into this life, but you'll also see a date that commemorates their exit from this life, but the most significant thing on that tombstone is not about their entrance or their exit. It is the dash in between that tells us how this person lived. When you go to the funeral, nobody's talking about their entrance. Nobody's talking about their exit. People are talking about the dash. People are commemorating how they lived their one solitary life. And what God sent me here to tell you, tell us, remind us of, is that you only have one life to live. And he wants to, us to live our lives so intentionally, so deliberately, so passionately that we live our lives with no regrets. There's some of you who grew up in the, in the uh, I guess it's the Partridge family generation with, with Cassidy, what's the... One, the one that passed away a couple of years ago, David Cassidy. You know, his final words. And it's one of the things over the years that I've done, I've, I've looked at the, the last words of influential people. And when David Cassidy passed, with his family surrounding his bed, you know what he said? The final words he uttered. Because again, these are the weightiest words you can ever speak. It's final instructions to your children. It's final words of affirmation to your spouse. If you're married, it's, 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 it's sort of your, your swan song, for lack of a better phrase. And David Cassidy, as he breathed his last breath, said, so much wasted time. And I wonder how many of us as we confront our mortality, might feel the same way. So much wasted time. The time I took to be angry. The time I took to cut people off. The time I took to be mad at God. The time that I wasted and squandered with my one solitary life. I had an entrance, now I have an exit, but what I didn't realize is that every man and every woman plays many parts. Can we talk about act one? I'm gonna talk about your life and my life in four acts, and some of it is New, and some of it you've probably heard before, but it bears repeating. 
Because if we're going to talk about the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about a church that is viral, we have to consider the life of a man who went viral, and his name is Paul. Paul has his entrance, and he also has his exit. It's amazing how in your final moments, the entirety of your life, you begin to put into perspective. I have sat (laughs) at many bedsides when people confronted their mortality. And so Paul is winding down not only his earthly ministry, but his life is beginning to wind down. And now he has perspective. Because hindsight is 20-20 after all. The crazy thing about life is that life must be lived going forward, but it can only be understood looking backward. And that's what it means to walk by faith. Because we got to walk this thing out going forward, and we have no idea what's ahead of us, but it's not until we have navigated successfully what's ahead of us, and we look back that it begins to make sense. And so here's Paul in the final moments of his life. He's done the entrance thing. He's about to exit this life. And notice what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse number 6. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And for those of you who follow along, uh, the notes are available in U version. If you have the U version Bible app, you can download it there. You can take notes there. Just search Converge Church. I think you go to the, the menu, you go to events, and then you select Converge Church, and you will find today's notes. Notice Paul's words. I'm talking about a viral, infectious, and contagious life. Hmm? That's the life God wants you to live. That when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, you can look back over your life and say, I've got no regrets. I made some mistakes, but I've got no regrets. So these are the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering unto God. There's something in psychology called the preemptive decision. It's called, and what the preemptive decision is, is the decision that you make before you have to make the decision. And I wonder how many of us have made preemptive decisions about our relationship with Christ. So Paul is at the end of his life, but notice what he says. He says, I'm about to die. But my life has already been poured out to God. Long before this moment, I was already a dead man walking, surrendered entirely unto God. And I wonder how many of us have made preemptive decisions when it comes to our walk with God. And so Paul has perspective. 
He's about to look back over his life, but he said, before I even got to this point, I was already surrendered and submitted to the will of God. So this moment doesn't scare me. Because I have no regrets. I lived a poured out life. My life, listen to me, he says my life was an offering. My life was a gift. My life was surrendered to God. And notice what he says next. He said, I fought a good fight. You know what he was saying? He was saying it hadn't been easy. But it's been worth it. I'm talking to those of us who think that we're only in the will of God when life is easy. I ain't seen that anywhere in scripture where Jesus said, follow me and I'll make your life easy. No. He's saying I fought a good fight. Number two, number two, notice what Paul says. I'm talking about living your life without regrets. I'm talking about taking your one solitary life and using it for something beyond just serving self. Mm. Listen to me. The struggle that my pastor friends and I have in today's church is that the truth when we preach the truth from the pulpit, it used to cause conviction in people's hearts. Now when you preach the truth, it causes offense. So what we're going to do? We're going to preach the truth or we're going to just tell people what they want to hear? Okay. I fought the good fight. I promise you I'm going with someone with this. He said, I have finished my course. I love that. Because what Paul was saying is, I stayed in my lane. And I didn't let what Peter was doing in his lane. And what John was doing in his lane. And what God was doing through Apollos in his lane distract me from finishing my race. They tell people in track of you, don't look left or right. The moment you look left or right, you start to slow down. Listen, he said, I finished my course. And I wonder how many of us at the end of our lives can say with confidence, God, I did everything you created me, called me, and anointed me to do. And that's why I'm not big on conferences anymore. Because this is what we do as pastors. We start churches so that we can be unique and do something that nobody else is doing. Then we go to the conference to figure out what that church is doing so we can copy it in our church. How about go to the God who fashioned you and formed you? Who will say, this is the lane I have created for you. Run your race. Run your race with endurance. And the problem with most of us, the reason we live with regrets is because God created some of us to run the 1500. But the problem with the 1500, ain't nobody watching the 1500. We want to run the 100 meter dash and the 200. 
because we know that's the race that gets the most attention. So we spend all of our lives trying to get faster, ignoring the 1500 and say, if I can only get my speed down to the 200 or 100, I will be content. Hey, baby, that ain't your race. And the reason so many people live frustrated is because they try to exchange the race God gave them for the race that gets the most attention. And God will not reward you or me for who we pretended to be. No, you'll get your applause from everybody else. And this is what Jesus said. When you and I fake the funk and people applaud us, he says you have your reward already. The greatest reward I will ever receive is the praises of men when I exchange my race for somebody else's. I'm talking about living a life with no regrets. Going back to the creator, and I'm just in that place myself. I don't know, maybe this message was for me, not for you. It's like, Lord, some of this stuff right now ain't making sense to me. You ever been in that place? Whereas like four plus four equals three? Like this, this don't add up. But you know you're in the will of God. And the Lord said, I wanted you to learn the lesson of contentment. Running the 1500. And not allowing what's happening. <laughs> you're, you're tracking what I'm saying. Number one, he said, I've already, listen, my life is all, I've already surrendered it all. Already. I didn't wait for the end of my life. I already lived a surrendered life. Number two, he says, I fought the good fight. I never quit. I never stopped. I didn't throw in the towel when it got hard. Number three, he says, I ran my race. I ran my race. You know what that means? Sometimes... You got to be willing to cast off Saul's armor. You know what I mean? When you read the story of David, Saul meant well. Saul said, David, you're just a little kid. You're a teenager. You can't go up against this giant wearing fruit of the loom. Put on my armor. And there are seasons in our lives. In fact, most people spend their entire lives with Saul's armor. Now, notice what David said. Listen, Saul, this thing don't fit, man. I know you mean well, but this ain't me. That's you. I'm talking about people who go through their entire life allowing their parents, to live their lives vicariously through them. Well, this is the family business. Your grandfather was a doctor. I'm a doctor. You, if I'm going to pay for you, you're going to be a doctor. I'm talking about people who are frustrated professionally because somebody told them, man, you better get a degree where you can make some money. 
Am I talking to anybody today? Find your lane. Your, your God-ordained lane. Let me tell you this. Let me, can, I, can, can, I, can I just say this? It is not the Father's desire that you go through life frustrated. And if you are experiencing frustration, it could be because something about your life is out of alignment with his purpose. The frustration that you feel is an indication that something in your life may be out of will with his purpose and his plan for your life. The frustration you feel right now, where you are, is an indication that something about your life is out of alignment. Okay. All right. Uh, I can spend some more time on there, but I got to get to the first point of my message. <laughs> no, I'm for real. I ain't playing. YOLO, you only live once. Listen, listen. Rick Warren said it this way. Our life on earth is just a dress rehearsal for eternity. I believe that. I believe that. So here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, Y'all ready for this? God can do more with what you have left than what you lost. I, somebody needs to hear that <laughs> because uh, there's this thing that sometimes if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to believe that we squandered and ran out of time, so why even try? Listen, God can take what you have left and redeem the time. And so part of what we're, going to, we're talking about tonight is the fact that regardless of what you lost and squandered, you've got something left, baby. You've got something left. And what you got left, if you put it in the master's hand, it will multiply by his touch. So that's Paul's viral life. Here it is. Uh, one man in his time plays many parts. Uh, one man in his time plays many parts. And I got to give all the ladies in the house mad props because the two days Pastor Wendy been gone. All it took was two days. To say we have no idea. <laughs> and all the women said. All it took was two days. The kitchen looked different. Forgot to feed my dad a couple times. We take for granted. <laughs> last night, last night, 
by 11 o'clock. Levi is in excruciating pain. I mean, I've never seen him like that. So I had to rush him to the urgent care. Hmm? And I had to stay up with him all night. He finally fell asleep this morning, maybe around 4 a.m. The things we as men and husbands take for granted. The things our mothers have done for decades, for generations, that we've taken for granted. So to every woman in the building, we honor you. And we celebrate you for the many parts and the many hats that you wear. Where all we do is scratch our belly and sit in front of a television with a remote. You're welcome. No, this is real talk. She's going to be gone two more days. Y'all pray for your pastor. We all play many parts. Okay, I got to wrap up. But I haven't even started. <laughs> no, I'm for real. But act one, act one. Let's talk about act one. Act one. This is about our entrance into life. You've heard me share this before, and we call it the starting season. The starting season is usually from infancy to about 20 years old. The starting season is often providential because this is the season of your early development over which you really didn't have any control. Didn't choose the family into which you were born. Didn't choose the circumstances into which you were born. However, the starting season has the propensity and the proclivity to either prepare us for life or scar us for life. I'm talking about people who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s still wrestling with the trauma of the starting season. And that is act one. That is your entrance into this life. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, we talk about the four stages of the starting season. Number one is your environment, the environment into which you were born. And that's why Zig Ziglar said every child is born to win, but along the way, many are conditioned to lose. Happens in the starting season. That is act one of your life. And I wonder how many of us are still wrestling with the conditioning that was imposed upon us over which we had no control where you were born, and the circumstances into which you were born is act one. Notice act one of Paul's life. Philippians chapter three, verses five and six from the New Living Translation. It says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. And again, this was a tradition for the most devout Jews. He said, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so je zealous 
that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Come on, somebody. Starting season. If you had an opportunity to chronicle your starting season, what would it look like? What would it sound like? What would be the greatest influences that marked your life? And how have those influences impacted you today? For good or even for evil? I'm, I'm talking real talk now. Because his starting season was the reason that he was holding the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen to death. It was because of how he was influenced in his formative years. And how many of you realize <laughs> that it's possible to do the wrong things your whole life thinking you were doing it for the right reasons? I'm going to kill all these people in the name of God because of his formative years. And I wonder how many of us are still influenced by the impact of our starting season because your environment, y'all know it, y'all help me with this because y'all been there. Your environment will determine what? What you're exposed to. And what you're exposed to will determine your experiences. And your experiences will determine your expectations, good or bad. So when we're introduced to Paul in the book of Acts, the reason his MO is what he is, I'm going to kill all these people who are in the way, is because of his starting season. And I wonder how many of us are where we are and are wrestling with what we're wrestling with because we've never fully dealt with the impacts of our starting season. We all have our entrances and our exit, and every man and every woman plays many parts. Y'all got quiet on me. Act two, I'm talking about act two. And I, listen to me. This might be your assignment for another day and another time. You might go home and you might ponder this message and say, Lord, maybe I need to, I need to confront some of these things so that I can, I, can, I, can, I can begin to live a life without regrets. I can no longer be tethered to my past. I have to confront it. I've got to deal with it so I can be all that God has called me to be because God will do more with what you have left than what you, listen to me, than what you lost. God is a God of accept. Listen, I'm speaking hope to somebody tonight. That's what I want you to hear. There is hope that if Jesus could spend the first 30 years of his life in obscurity and change the world in three and a half, God still wants to use what you have left. If all you have left is three and a half years like Jesus did. Live without regrets. Listen to me. Refuse to allow what negatively impacted you in your starting season 
to be the excuse for why you choose to remain stuck. You know how you live a life without regrets? I don't deny that it happened. I don't ignore that it happened. I confront the fact that it happened. And by the grace of God, I heal and allow God to use my pain to become my platform, not my prison. Searching season, number two. Number two, searching season usually happens uh, in the second act. So this is act two. The searching season is usually from 20 to 40. Some of you are like, ooh, that ship done already sailed. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm right there with you. But listen, it ain't about what you lost. You know you owe. <laughs> Come on, somebody. When, when, you, when you're walking through the grocery store and the playlist is the songs you grew up listening to, when I was a kid and I walked through the grocery store, they were playing Motown. Now when you walk through the grocery store, they're playing New Edition. You know, for real now, it dawned on me the other day. I was channel surfing, and they were given, what's this girl's name? Um, some kind of lifetime achievement type award. Ashanti. I was like, I'm officially old. No, Soul Train Awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in fact, I saw her on Good Morning America. She was talking about the award. It was some kind of a, some kind of like a, it wasn't Lifetime Achievement, but it was some kind of, I was like, wow. I'm getting old. You know you're getting old when your ch children tell you, you were born in another century, Mom. Dad, yeah, Levi said, Dad, you were born in another century. Yeah, I, I'm. when you realize the searching season has passed. 20 to 40, 20 to 40. In fact, I've been wrestling. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shave this gray or I'm going to put something in it. Come on, somebody. Listen. If Charlie Wilson still got black hair, Smokey Robinson still got black hair, come on, somebody. Yeah. 2022, y'all, just for men, all here and here. Ebony, come on, somebody. That Beijing 66, that's what my barber be using, Beijing. Charlie Wilson still got black hair. Come on, somebody. All right, what was I talking about? All right, we're about to wrap this up. We're about to wrap this up. Maybe I'll do three and four next week. The searching season, 20 through 40. 20 through 40. This is when you complete your education. Uh, typically, you start your career path. Uh, this is when you start to develop your professional and even relational competencies. Uh, act two of Paul's life looks something like Philippians chapter 3. Verses 7 and 8. He's talking about his former life. He's talking about the life into which he was born. He's talking about his starting season. And what he's sharing here in verses 7 and 8 is the fact that he confronted his starting season. Because he realized how his starting season 
impacted his life. Notice what he says in verse 7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Muhammad Ali said it this way. The man who sees life at age 50 the same way he saw it at age 20 has wasted 30 years of his life. So if you crossed over into your searching season and you're still processing life the way you did in your starting season, something's off. He looks back at his life and he said, man, there was a time when this stuff right here was valuable to me. I'm talking, I'm talking about, here's the word, I'm talking about growing up. That's what Paul had to do. He comes to this defining moment and he said there were things that I once held precious that were the most important priorities in my life. But now when I compare the things that I used to fight for, the things that I used to live for, and I compare it to what Jesus did for me, he says I count all these things, excuse the word, dung. Useless. Yet his whole life was wrapped around this. But all of that shifted when he encountered Christ. He said, yes, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I wonder if any of you have started to see and even sense a separation in your life. That maybe the crowd you once had is dwindling. That is getting smaller. It could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. Because where you're going, you might not be able to bring everybody with you. Hmm? Where you going? Where God's taking you may not necessarily be the place for the majority. And I can already sense the tension. I can already sense the tension in here for some of you. Like, I don't know if I want to let that go or let them go. But I shared this a few weeks ago, maybe last week, no, two weeks ago. That the closer Jesus got to the cross, the lonelier it became. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took 12, he left nine of them behind, and then he took three and left those three behind so that he could be alone with the Father. Because there's some things in life you can only settle with God alone. Can't bring Pookie there. You and God alone. All right, I'm just going to finish the message. I'm going to go fast. Act three. Act three is the success season. Hey, that's 40 to 50. Notice the compression of time. It was 20-year intervals. All of a sudden, man, compression. 40 to 50. It's referred to as the success season, where you have peace of mind. 
When I talk about peace of mind, it means you're just settled in who you are. Hmm? You know who you are. You're not looking for somebody to tell you who you are. You are just settled and satisfied and content with who you are. And it's like, take it or leave it. Wow. 40 to 50. Uh, it's where you're enjoying good health. Come on, somebody, by faith. You have a happy home life. I mean, like the, the relationship, the marriage is right. Or if you're not married and you have a relationship, it's, it's healthy, not toxic. Not playing childish games. That's why Paul said, listen, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I thought as a child. He said, but when I became a man, I'm talking about the original boys to men. When I became, this is what I said, I put away childish things. You know what? Ladies, you know a child. You know a boy by the games he plays. Listen to me. And if you're in your 40s and 50s <laughs> and you're still playing games, that's a problem. You need to grow up. Somebody said something. I missed it. It must have been funny. What did he say? Huh? You better know it. Oh, you better know it. Right. You better know it. I'm talking about living life with no... Man, y'all see that? What? <laughs> that was good, man. I didn't know I had it in me. I'm talking about living a life with no regrets. Because, still got it. Come on, Chuck. Keep talking, man. Keep talking, my brother. Feel good. No, I really am going. I'm going to pull off that that Charlie Wilson, Smokey Robinson game. No, I am. I got to. I got to reverse the clock. So here it is. You find your sweet spot in life. Philippians chapter three, verses twelve and fourteen. It says, "Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but this is what I do: I press on." Hmm? You know the distinction in this success season is you realize that what God requires of you is not perfection, it's progress. He said, listen, I realize I ain't got it all together. I ain't going to pretend to be perfect, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do. I'm not going to settle for mediocrity. I'm going to continue to grow. Hmm? It's a big deal, man. When we have counseling sessions with couples, one of the sessions we do is we talk about capacity. When we do the five C's of healthy, we talk about capacity. And the capacity question is, can you grow with me? Because most people get married, and they still want the version of you that they married 30 years ago. They still want the version of you that they met wherever they met you, in the library, at church, in the club. And what people don't realize, if you don't ask the capacity question. In fact, one of the exercises we have couples do now is we, we have them create their dream list and their bucket list. Meaning these are the things that we are going to do together 30 years from now. You know why? Because we, we encourage couples to dream together. Anybody ever seen the movie Up? The opening scene? 
when they're showing the old man when he was young and, he got mar- and they got married, and their dream to take this balloon ride South America, when you have something to live for, when you have something to dream about together, it becomes the glue that holds you together. Because if you're not growing together, you're growing apart. And so we sit there and we ask them capacity question. This joker you say you're about to marry, can he grow with you? Or is he threatened by your dreams? That's what Paul said. When you're in your 40s and 50s, you realize, listen, I ain't, I ain't perfect, but listen, I'm, I'm, you know, growth matters to me. I am becoming the best version of myself. So I'm talking about living your life with no regrets. And, 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 and the, way, the way you measure that, here it is. You're ready for this? I'm about to drop the bomb. The way you measure your growth is your daily routine. You still doing the same stuff you did when you were 20? Every single day? Listen to me. I, I can already tell you where you're going to be 20 years from now. Remember we said this in the, in the Egypt series, the Get Out series? It said potential speaks about possibilities. But patterns speak to what is predictable. And so... If you still got the same pattern, your patterns happen. I can predict with 100% accuracy where you will be 10 years from now. Paul says, I'm not there yet. But I press. Not perfection, but progress. <sighs> Man. Okay, let me just give you Act 4. <laughs> I want to talk about verse 13, but let me just give you Act 4. The significant season. The significant season. This is 50 plus. This is when your life comes to convergence. All that you've ever experienced, all your efforts and your, 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 your hard work and your experiences all come together and there is convergence. You start thinking in terms of your legacy. Listen to me. This is what we say about legacy here at Converge. If you can decide how you would like to be remembered, it will define how you lived. I'll say that again. If right now you can decide how you would like to be remembered, it will define how you live. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? If I want Levi to remember me as a loving father, it's going to define how I engage with Levi now. If I want Wendy to remember me as a loving husband, it's going to define what I do now. I can't be a knucklehead to Wendy and then and, and, and just, oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, he was a good man. No, no, no. No, if you can decide now how you would like to be remembered, it's going to define how you live right now. That's legacy. That's living beyond today. That's living a life with no regrets. In fact, I encourage you to watch this sermon more than once and begin to ask yourself, how, did, how has the starting season impacted my life? What mistakes and missteps did I make in my searching season? Now that I'm in this success season, am I, am I really growing 
and making progress. I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing towards something bigger so that I can leave a memorable legacy. Notice what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Again, this is perspective. From the New Living Translation, Paul writes, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy, and he appointed me to serve him, even though, listen to me, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Listen to me. God can do more with what you have left than what you lost. You know, back in the day growing up, you would have before and after pictures. Today, I think what the kids have is how it was and how it's going. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the way things were versus how they're going now. He said, I was anti-God. Well, I was anti-church because I persecuted the church in the name of God. And in spite of my failures, God still chose me. He knew everything about my past, my flaws and my failures. But he still chose me. Talk about living a life with no regrets. I'm talking about Paul who was holding the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen. If he had allowed his past to hold him captive, would he ever have preached in Jesus' name? I think God wants some of us to make peace with our past. Not just the mistakes we made, but even the people who mishandled us. So, so Paul says that's how it was, but let me tell you how it's going. Let me tell you how it's going. He said, uh, uh, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come only from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I, I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me. Here it is as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then, because of my life and how gracious God has been to me, others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. What is it about your life that other people are going to recognize and turn to God and say, oh, 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 me too. If you did it for Ray, you could do it for me too. If you forgave Ray and called Ray and anointed Ray, after all he did, then maybe there's hope for me too. That's how you live a life with no no regrets because you recognize you only have one life. And Paul is the perfect example of a life that went viral. And because his life went viral, God was able to write two-thirds of the New Testament through this man who once persecuted the church in the name of God. So, Father, as we close this message, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. 
For those of us who have lived with regret and maybe wrestled with our past, maybe tonight is the night we reconcile our past and we leave it all in your hands so that you will take what we have left of our lives and use it for your glory. That God, you would accelerate the time and redeem the time. And just as you did with Jesus, you did more in three and a half years than you did in 30. Lord, we ask you to do that so that your people can live a life with no regrets, not only because of what you do for us, which is success, but more importantly because of what you do through us, which is significance. Yeah, I pray that for Converge Church, that God, you will move us from a pursuit of just success, what you can do for us, to a pursuit of a life of significance, what you will do through us. And that many will see our lives and say, me too. If you did it through him, if you did it through her, Lord, do it through me too. We trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody? Awesome. All right. Listen, if, that, if the message ministered to you, uh, we have some resources for you that we want to share with you. Send us an email to echurch at weareconverged.com. echurch at weareconverged.com. We'll send some resources to you to help you jumpstart your relationship with Jesus. Why don't you stand with us? Listen again, we're super excited uh, for our night of worship, which will be a week from today. 5 p.m. is going to be awesome. And then we're going to be starting a brand new Christmas series that will culminate with Christmas at Converge. We've got some exciting, fun things planned. We'll be sending you some more details in the weeks to come. Raise those hands toward heaven and surrender to our faithful God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord has lifted his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Amen. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.